Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. As was mentioned, I am Pastor Marv Combs. I uh, have the privilege of leading the service on Wednesday. We call it WOW at 11 o'clock. The Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As soon as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice and threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. First, writes the Apostle Paul to the Romans, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. And then, again, Apostle Paul to to Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. First, we give thanks. Jesus is traveling along the road up in the northern part of the area between Samaria Samaria and and Galilee, and he comes across these ten men outside the gates who have leprosy. And I don't know how well you know what leprosy is, but at that time, it was a terrible disease. It still is in parts of this world today, but then it was widespread, so widespread that it was written in the law of Moses, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, and Leviticus, what the priests were to do when they came across someone with leprosy. The person was to go to see the priest, and if they saw this little spot on their arm, he would say, oh, that's just a bruise or a, a scratch, that will go away. You remain with us in the community, you'll be fine. But if he saw that it was, had this look, if it looked in a certain way and he could tell it was going to com- continue into full-blown leprosy, and he would be declared unclean and told to get outside of the walls. And from there, he would not only have to do that, but cover himself. And when anybody came near, cry, cry out, unclean! Unclean, stay away. 
Leprosy is a particularly nasty disease. You literally have your skin uh, rot from you as you live. And in particular, your nerves would go numb. You wouldn't be able to feel anything. And so you would stick your hand in the fire and get burnt and not know it. You would crush your foot with a rock and not be able to tell or cut yourself and bleed to death. It seems that you would be so sick you didn't know how sick you were. It seems that's probably why the Jewish people considered leprosy kind of a metaphor for sin. Because we just don't know how sinful we are because we are so sinful. And to become clean was to be able to be before the face of God and we seem so far from that, they would say. It's funny, I was driving in this morning. I don't know if anybody else heard it on the radio. The radio person was talking about how these people, ethicists, were coming together and saying the sin we sin to do the most is lie. And if we haven't told a lie already this morning, we'll do it later. We'll embellish a story. We'll say something that we don't even think's a lie, but it is. And so we therefore say things like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. The only way that this person, people with leprosy could be renewed was to go back before the priest and be declared clean again. And now this message, this passage is all about thankfulness to God. And I want to remain somewhat true to that, but I got in a rabbit trail. And I'll take you down it just a little bit here for a few minutes. Um, when I read this, has anybody else ever read Scripture and found something that the Holy Spirit must have just put in the day before? Because as many times as I've read it, I never saw that. You know? I've, how many times I've read this Scripture? How many times I've pre I preached on it for decades? How many times? Did, and then finally I looked at this and I'm going, wow, something new. Where did that come from? And it's this, notice, they called on him, Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Wait a minute. He didn't heal them on the spot and then say, now go get checked out. They stood there still diseased just as they were when he first walked up and when they left him. Then they went and were cleansed along the way. They didn't sit there and wait on the Lord for, okay, he said he's going to heal us, so I can't move until he says go. They entrust in the Lord and faith with the Lord and his promises, his implied promise there, go The promise that they will be found clean. And I realized that is the way that God has done things. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How many times do we, how many times by, want to pray for something and then wait for the answer? 
wait for the direction, not make a move until God tells me what to do. And even though, I mean, what's the old saying? Pray for everything except the answer. We still, I do, sit here and wait and wait. And come on, you know, I can't move until you tell me what to do. And what we're being told here, the lesson here is live your life of faith. God may tell you the answer. He may not tell you the answer. You may, and here's another one. How many of while you were waiting for the answer, life went on, and 10 years from now, I look back 10 years and say, God was all over that, and I never saw it. Look at what I wanted to have happen. Never happened, but something else happened, and guess what? That was God's answer. He didn't look to me to say, okay, yeah, I can, I, I can work with that, God. We... Sinners as we may be here, though we may not be totally and completely healed, Christ gives us the promise of our salvation in waters of baptism, in the meal, in the hearing of the word. And we, in our journey of faith, approach the priest, the high priest, the one God in heaven with a full acknowledgement and that we know when we approach him, he will find not a spot, not a blemish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, well, one of those the Holy Spirit threw in there like just a minute ago. Or, you know, that was caught me off guard this week. And so, the Samaritan comes back and gives thanks. I'll make a little bit of a I don't know if this is an actual dis distinction, but I use it. Distinction between gratitude and thanksgiving. And it seems to me that gratitude has to be glad you got the thing, and thanksgiving is given to the person that gave it to you. For example, if I needed a cup of water and didn't have one, someone would come up and give it to me, I'd be grateful for the water and thankful to the person who brought it. Just using that as... I don't know if that's a true distinction or not, but that's what I can see here because I imagine every single one of those lepers was happy, grad had gratitude for being healed. But what made this one turn and not just be grateful for being healed, but being grateful to the one who provided his cleansing? He comes back to Jesus, like I've been cleansed, I want to give thanks to God, so he falls at Jesus' feet. Jesus says he's giving glory to God, he's at Jesus' feet, A equals B, God is Jesus here, you're seeing what he's doing. And at the end, Jesus says, go your faith has made you well in this translation. Actually, in the Greek, it has, it has saved you. The trust in the promise of Christ to go on the journey to the temple has saved him. The promise of our salvation through Christ and the promise as we go through this earth, this, this world, this journey on earth, will save us. And it brings me to an interesting, in my mind, thought. Thankfulness seems to be a big thing for Jesus. 
It seems to be almost a fruit of the faith for us to be a thankful people. Thankful for all things. And we are thankful for not just grateful for, let's say, our, our bread, but we're thankful for the one who provides it. We, as Christians, we can see past the clerk at the store, be grateful for that bread, past the baker, past the farmer, past even the land itself, and be thankful to God, our Father, who provided it for us. He provides all things. So when we pray, give us our bread, our daily bread, we are, we are focusing towards the one who gives us all good things, the Lord. So I struggled with this a little bit, this whole idea this week. And so I looked a lot of scriptures up to help me work through this, and I'll share some of those scriptures with you now. You ever notice if you're thankful, it's hard to worry and be anxious? Giving, stopping, and giving thanks for what you have now or have received rather than worrying about into the future? hard to be anxious. It's almost like they kind of will cancel each other out. And I think that's why we are told to have a heart of thankfulness. How many of us, <laughs> I don't know how many of you have been uh, um, confirmed as Lutherans, might have looked through the small catechism and remember this morning prayer. Luther writes, we are to pray, I give you thanks, Heavenly Father, through your dear Son, Jesus Christ, that you have protected me through the night of all harm and danger. How many of us do that? How many of us wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've given me and how you brought me through the night to be here right now, right here with you today. Or are you like me? You woke up at three in the morning worrying about something you needed to do, the next day, and by the time you get up in the morning, you're already checking your emails to see, to make sure I don't do this, so here's my calendar, I gotta make sure I keep doing this, and we offer our worship of worry, rather than thanks. We look at our calendar, and how do you give thanks for something that hasn't even happened yet? That's why I think that Thanksgiving can kinda cancel out anxiety, not that you don't plan for the future. Not that you don't pay attention to those things that are to come, but first, give thanks. Have that attitude starting out the day with thanks. I look at St. Paul, Paul the Apostle, He's working with these churches, and he writes uh, all his letters uh, because churches are in trouble. They're having problems. And, uh, for example, he writes his letter to the Thessalonians. And they are, the Thessalonians are so worried about the coming end times that they're not really doing their Christian life anymore. They're more involved in, whoa, boy, you know, here's going to happen. And we know those types of people today. You find them today. 
They're more, they're, we call them the people, their heads are so much in heaven, they're of no earthly good. So we, they're so worried about this is that, and this symbolizes this, and this symbolizes that. There's certain denominations where that's just so important. Even though the Lord and Paul say about the end times and figuring them out, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, they do it anyway. Uh, I went to an evangelical college here close, uh, right up Valley View, take a ride on Rosecrans. They, um, and the professor there would tell me how many times in his New Testament class these students could recite every step of, okay, we're going to have raptures and tribulations, and they'd go through this step by step, have the whole thing laid out, and then he'd ask, okay, now I'll recite the Ten Commandments, and they couldn't do it because they're so focused on what's to come. That's Thessalonian church. And then there's the Corinthian church, other way around. They've got it all. We're saved in Christ. We're free. We can do whatever we want. One guy marries his mother-in-law. Other guys are going to women of the night saying, oh, well, I had four of them. No, I had five. I had greater, they're totally messed up. They've got the, they're withholding the Lord's Supper from some people and while the others are getting drunk, and it's just, it's a mess. And if I was to pray for these people, I was going to write a letter to them. It would open with, I'm pulling my hair out here. But listen to how Paul writes and opens his letters to the Thessalonian church first and then to the Corinthians, to the Thessalonians. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. And to the Thessalonians, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given in you in Christ Jesus. This attitude of thanks. And it's not, and here's the hard one. Here's the hard one for me. It's what got me so tied up this week. We are not only to give thanks in the good times, but the bad. God, who is there for us in all things to help us to persevere, we give thanks for him to get us through the bad things. And to me, I'm walking around, I'm going, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to give thanks for bad things? I, I example. This evening, we're going to have a nice piece of fresh swordfish. Found it. Going to cook it up. It's going to be wonderful. Love the stuff. I'm going to give thanks for that. Does that mean if I came home instead and some of our Norwegian friends were there with lutefisk? How many Norwegians we have here? Any Norwegians? How many? Who knows what lutefisk is? If you don't know, go Google it. They take a fish, a perfectly good fish, and somehow they dry it out over months and they, they soak it and then they, something about you have to soak it in lye for a few weeks later when you want to eat it and then you have to soak the lye out of it. And it, it's disgusting from what I understand. <laughs> what do they say? I'll, I'll use a biblical term to describe uh, Ludafisk. The piece of cod that surpasses all understanding. But instead, listen to how Paul writes this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We are to give thanks to the one who gave us all 
who gives us life, who gives us the promise of our healing, of leaving our sinfulness behind because we leave it on the cross. Paul says it's a secret how he figured it out. I'm still trying to figure it out, but Paul writes, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. All this I can do through him who gives me strength. Because in the end, we can only give thanks to one that gave himself, gave everything for us. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. And in good and in bad, in sickness and in health, all of those things, God is with us. And if we stop to give him thanks, we stop our daily grind, our daily routine, and we stop and we see God for who he is, leaving our anxieties behind and just being thankful. Remembering this verse from Romans. He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give you all things. Pause. Pause, the Lord said. Remember the the promise that I gave you. Trust in me. Call it faith. That in the end of this journey, what I tell you now Give me thanks for now, knowing that your fate is secure and the arms of a loving Father await you. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Thank you.